Introduction to the Life of Florence Nightingale, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The Life of Florence Nightingale, Volume 1, by Edward Tyus Cook. Introductory among miss nightingale's memoranda on books and reading there is this injunction quote, the preface of a book ought to set forth the importance of what it is going to treat of so that the reader may understand what he is reading for End quote. the saying is typical of the methodical and positive spirit which as we shall learn was one of the dominant strains in miss nightingale's work and character she wanted to know at every stage precisely what a person or a book or an institution was driving at of all human sounds she said i think the words i don't know are the saddest unless a book had something of definite importance to say it had better she thought not be written and in order to save the reader's time and fix his attention he should be told at once wherein the significance of the book consists this though it may be a hard saying is perhaps not unwholesome even to biographers at any rate as miss nightingale's biographer i am moved to obey her injunction i propose therefore in this introductory chapter to state wherein as i conceive the significance and importance of miss nightingale's life consists and what the work was that she did in the world One. Quote, in the course of a life's experience such as scarcely any one has ever had i have always found said miss nightingale that no one ever deserves his or her character be it better or worse than the real one it is always unlike the real one End quote. of course of no one is this saying more true than of herself it has been your fate said mr jowett to her once to become a legend in your lifetime now nothing is more persistent than a legend and the legend of florence nightingale became fixed early in her life at a time indeed antecedent to that at which her best work in the world as she thought had begun the popular imagination of miss nightingale is of a girl of high degree who moved by a wave of pity forsook the pleasures of fashionable life for the horrors of the crimean war who went about the hospitals of Scutari with a lamp, scattering flowers of comfort and ministration, who retired at the close of the war into private life and lived thenceforth in the seclusion of an invalid's room, a seclusion varied only by good deeds to hospitals and nurses and by gracious and sentimental pieties. I do not mean, of course, that this was all that anybody knew or wrote about her. Any such suggestion would be far from the truth but the popular idea of florence nightingale's life has been based on some such lines as i have indicated and the general conception of her character is to this day founded upon them the legend was fixed by longfellow's poem and miss young's golden deeds its growth was favored by the fact of miss nightingale's seclusion by the hidden almost the secretive manner in which she worked by her shrinking from publicity by her extreme reticence about herself it is only now when her papers are accessible that her real life can be known 
there are some elements of truth in the popular legend but it is so remote from the whole truth as to convey in general impression everything but the truth the real florence nightingale was very different from the legendary but also greater her life was built on larger lines her work had more importance than belonged to the legend the crimean war was not the first thing and still less was it the last that is significant in miss nightingale's life the story of her earlier years is that of the building up of a character it shows us a girl of high natural ability and of considerable attractions feeling her way to an ideal alike in practice and in speculation having found it she was thrown into revolt against the environment of her home we shall see her pursuing her ideal with consistent though with self-torturing tenacity against alike the obstacles and the temptations of circumstance she had already served an apprenticeship when the call to the crimea came it was a call not to sacrifice but to the fulfilment of her dearest wishes for a life of active usefulness such is the theme of the first part which i have called aspiration many other women have passed through similar experiences but there is special significance in them in the case of florence nightingale a significance both historic and personal the glamour that surrounded her service in the crimea the wide world publicity that was given to her name and deeds invested with peculiar importance her fight for freedom to do as florence nightingale did became an object of imitation which the well-to-do world was henceforth readier to condone or even to approve and thus the story of miss nightingale's earlier years is the history of a pioneer on one side in the emancipation of women for the understanding of her own later life the earlier years are all important they give the clue to her character and explain much that would otherwise be puzzling or confused through great difficulties and at a heavy price she had purchased her birthright her ideal of self-expression in work on her return from the crimea she was placed on the one hand owing to her fame in a position of special opportunity on the other hand owing to illness in a position of special disability she shaped her life henceforward so as to make these two factors conform to the continued fulfillment of her ideal i need not here forestall what subsequent chapters will abundantly illustrate i will only say that the resultant effect was a manner of life and work both extraordinary and to me at least of the greatest interest the second part of the memoir is devoted to the crimean war the popular conception with regard to miss nightingale's work during this episode in her life is not untrue so far as it goes but it is amazingly short of the whole truth as now ascertainable from her papers the popular imagination pictures florence nightingale at scutari and in the crimea as the ministering angel and such in very truth she was but the deeper significance of her work in the crimean war lies elsewhere it was as administrator and reformer more than as angel that she showed her peculiar powers queen victoria with native shrewdness and a touch of humor hit off the truth about miss nightingale's services in the crimea in concise words quote, such a clear head i wish we had her in the war office End quote. the influence of miss nightingale's service in the crimea was great some of it is obvious 
and on the moral side longfellow's poem said the first and the last word she may also be accounted if not the founder yet the promoter of female nursing in the war and the red cross societies throughout the world are as we shall hear the direct outcome of her labors in the crimea the indirect and less obvious results were in many spheres from a sick room in the west end of london miss nightingale played a part and a much larger part than could be known without access to her papers in reforming the sanitary administration of the british army in reconstructing hospitals throughout the world in founding the modern art of nursing in setting up a sanitary administration in india and in promoting various other reforms in that country miss nightingale's return from the crimea it will thus be seen was not the end of her active life in a sense it was the beginning the nursing at scutari and in the crimea was an episode the fame which she shunned but which nevertheless came to her gave her a starting point for doing work which was destined as she hoped and as in large measure was granted to be of permanent service to her country and the world the first chapter of the third part shows her laying her plans for the health of the British soldier, and the subsequent chapters tell what followed. This is the period of Miss Nightingale's close cooperation with Sidney Herbert. To the writer, this latter phase of Miss Nightingale's life, with its ingenious adjustment of means to ends, its masterful resourcefulness, its incessant industry, and then with its perpetual struggle against physical weakness and its extraordinary power of devoted concentration, has seemed not less interesting than the Crimean episode. The fourth part describes as its main themes the work which Miss Nightingale did, concurrently with that described in the preceding part, as hospital reformer and the founder of modern nursing. Other chapters introduce two topics which might at first sight seem widely separate, but which were yet closely associated in Miss Nightingale's mind. They deal with her, respectively, as a passionate statistician and as a religious thinker. The nature of her speculations is fully explained in the latter chapters and elsewhere in the memoir. It will be seen that Miss Nightingale had thought out a scheme of religious belief which widely differed from the creeds of Christian orthodoxy, whether Catholic or Protestant, but which yet admitted of accommodation to much of their language and formularities. It admitted also, as will appear in due course, of close alliance with mysticism. Miss Nightingale believed intensely in a personal God and in personal religion. The language which expressed most adequately to her the sense of union with God was the language of the Greek and Christian mystics. But law was to her the thought of God. Union with God meant cooperation with Him towards human perfectibility, and for the discovery of the thought of God, statistics were to her mind an indispensable means. In the fifth part, we are introduced to a new interest in Miss Nightingale's life, a new sphere of her work. For forty years, she worked at Indian questions. She took up the subject at first through interest in the army. It was a natural supplement to her efforts for the health of the British soldier at home to make a like attempt on behalf of the army in India. Gradually, she was drawn into other questions, and she became a keen Indian reformer all along the line. Her assiduity, 
her persistence her ingenuity were as marked in this sphere as in others it was only her immediate success that was less in relation to the primary object with which she began her indian campaigns miss nightingale's life and work have great importance the royal commission of eighteen fifty nine through sixty three which was due to her and the measures taken in consequence of its report were the starting point of a new era in sanitary improvement for the army the results have been most salutary miss nightingale's friendship with lord stanley and with sir john lawrence here served her somewhat as that with mr herbert served in the earlier campaign in the wider sphere of indian sanitation generally miss nightingale's efforts were not so successful the field was perhaps too vast the conditions were too adverse for any great and immediate success to be possible yet this and her other efforts for india were the part of miss nightingale's life and work to which she attached most importance and by the record of which she set most store even in the will afterwards revoked directing her papers to be destroyed she made exception of those relating to india and as already stated in the preface one of her few pieces of autobiographical record related to her indian work perhaps it was with the special affection which a mother often feels for the least robust or least successful child perhaps it was that she took long views and that foreseeing a future time when many of the reforms for which she had toiled might be accomplished she desired to be remembered as a pioneer sanitation said a high authority in eighteen ninety four is the cinderella of the indian administrative family the difficulty of finding money and the reluctance to introduce western reforms in advance of eastern opinion are objections with which we shall often meet in the correspondence of indian officials with miss nightingale and they are still raised in the present day on the other hand the under secretary for india in his budget statement for nineteen thirteen declared that quote, the service which has the strongest claim after education on the resources of the government is sanitation end quote, and explained that quote, the budget estimate of expenditure for sanitation comes this year to nearly two million pounds showcasing an increase of one hundred and twelve per cent over the expenditure of three years ago end quote so perhaps cinderella is to go to the ball if ever the glass slipper is found let it be remembered as this memoir will show that miss nightingale was the good fairy her indian work continued as long as she was able to work at all and from eighteen sixty two onwards it forms one of the recurring themes in our story the sixth part while continuing that subject introduces another sphere in which miss nightingale's life and work have important significance from the reform of hospital nursing she turned in conjunction with the late mr william rathbone to the reform of workhouse nursing and as one thing led to another it will be seen that miss nightingale deserves to be remembered also as a poor law reformer the seventh part comprises the last thirty-eight years of miss nightingale's life eighteen seventy-two through nineteen ten and a word or two here may be said to explain an apparent alteration of scale in a biography the scale must be proportionate not to the number of the years but to their richness and characteristic significance after eighteen seventy two the year in which as miss nightingale put it she went out of office her life was less full theretofore in new activities the germinant seeds had all been sown 
but these later years though they have admitted of more summary treatment were full of interest the chapters in which they are recorded deal first with miss nightingale's literary work and more especially with her studies in plato and the christian mystics these studies were in part a result of her close friendship of thirty years with mr jowett then too occasion is found for an endeavor to portray miss nightingale as the mother chief for so they called her of the nurses it is only by access to her enormous correspondence in this sort that the range and extent of her personal influence can be measured her ideal of the nursing vocation stands out very clearly from the famous quote, nurses battle which occupied much of her later years she found an opportunity during the same period to start an important experiment in rural hygiene at the same time she was preaching indefatigably the need of health missionaries in indian villages and then came the end to the time of labor there succeeds in every life said ruskin quote, the time of death which in happy lives is very short but always a time End quote in the case of miss nightingale's the time was long she lived for many years after the power to labor was gone two so much by way of preface in explanation of the significance of miss nightingale's life and work but this book endeavors to depict a character as well as to record a career there has been much discussion in our days as in others of the proper scope and method of biography and various models are held up in one sense or another to practitioners in this difficult art the questions are propounded whether biography should describe a person's life or his character his work or how he did it if the person did anything worthy of record a biography should surely describe alike the life and the character the work and the methods the biographer may fail in his attempt but in the case of miss nightingale the attempt is peculiarly necessary because all that she did and the manner in which she did it were as it has seemed to me characteristic of a strongly marked personality behind it this book is however a biography and not a history it is not a history of the crimean war nor of nursing nor of indian administration something on all these matters will be found in it but only so much of detail as was necessary to place miss nightingale's work in its true light and to exhibit her characteristic methods so also many other persons will pass across the stage persons drawn from a great many different classes occupations walks in life but the book does not aim at giving a detailed picture of miss nightingale's circle her relations her friends her acquaintances her correspondence only concern us here in so far as their dealings with her affected her work or illustrate her character here again to revert to what has been said above it will be found i think that this book possesses a certain significance as correcting or supplementing a popular legend a preacher in an obituary sermon upon miss nightingale said that all her work was done by force of simple goodness assuredly miss nightingale was a good woman and there was also a certain simplicity about her but there was much else a man of affairs who in the course of a long and varied life had come in contact with many of the acutest intellects and greatest administrators of the time said of miss nightingale that hers was the clearest brain he had ever known in man or woman 
strength of head was quite as marked in her as goodness of heart and she had at least as much of adroitness as of simplicity her character was in fact curiously many-sided a remarkable variety of interests motives methods will be found coming into play in the course of this record the florence nightingale who will be shown in it by her acts her methods her sayings her ways of looking at things and people is a very different person from santa philomena miss nightingale has been given a place among the saints in the popular calendar of many nations and she deserves the canonization but not entirely for the popular reasons her character as i have endeavored to depict it was stronger more spacious and as i have felt more lovable than the lady of the lamp End of section 1, Introduction